0: All right, if you have a Bible, please open it up over to Philippians, if you would. Philippians chapter 1. We started a short series last week called The Mindset That Cannot Fail, and we are just kind of going through Philippians. We're not breaking it down into minute detail, but this is Wednesday night, and this is a time, at least in our church, usually a time of uh, devotional type message, encouragement, and so forth. But of course, God's word has all kinds of things for us, doesn't it? But the mindset that cannot fail. Now, last week is when we began this series and Philippians has to do with the believer's attitude. That's kind of the theme. And as we experience this stay-at-home policy because of the coronavirus, it is really easy for us to lose perspective and to get focused on this. We can become discouraged. We can become fearful of the unknown, although I think we're learning some things now, but nevertheless, there are people who are still fearful, depressed, angry. People are becoming angry, even paranoid. And I use that word and mention that because, uh, you know, there's, listen, don't spend too much time on the internet. Okay. Unless you're watching solid Bible teaching or something like that. If you're going to look at the news, maybe look at it once or twice a day and that's it for a limited amount of time. Because friends, this is just going to beat you down. If you want to find a um, conspiracy in all of this or a conspiracy having to do with this or conspiracy having to do with that, you are going to find it. Now, I'm not saying there isn't necessarily one. We can't rule that out. But let me, let me say this, Okay. Whatever your mindset is, you can find a bunch of sites that are going to support you and fuel that. And if your mindset is not right, it's not going to help you. It's only going to hurt you and get you off track. We need to look at this in a balanced way. Number one, God is in control. Ultimately, God is in control and nothing's going to happen that he doesn't allow. So I don't know about you, but for me, I rejoice in that knowing that he is in control. That is a blessing to me, and it should be a blessing to you. So how do we respond to this? Well, instead of focusing on all the negatives, let's think in terms, again, as I mentioned last week, not so much what we can't do, but let's think about the things we can do, namely, take the opportunities that are there and make the opportunities that we can in reaching people for Christ and living for Christ, okay? Remember, the word of God is never bound. And you know, when Paul wrote Philippians, where did he write it? He wrote it in a Roman jail. And yet we have this book that is taught literally somewhere, probably many places, every single day around the globe, somebody is preaching and teaching from Philippians. It goes on. Why? Because it's the word of God. Even though he was in jail, still ministry could be done and incredible ministry could be done. And guess what? It's the same with us. Now, maybe some of you think, yeah, Me staying home with the kids, that's kind of like being in jail. Uh, Well, um, hopefully it's not that bad, but uh, I do believe it's just a matter of time until we are freed up in that regard. But nevertheless, we want to think about these things. What is the right mindset, okay? Remember that the theme of Philippians, of course, the believer's attitude, but also the words that come up, and you see them many times in Philippians, terms like joy and rejoicing. There's this positive perspective on things. Philippians deals with our attitudes, and God wants our attitudes to be right. And so here in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God and our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And so Paul, right at the beginning of the letter, talks about joy, talks about wanting their fellowship. And he's, he starts the letter out on a positive note. He doesn't start it out as, woe is me, I'm in jail, this is terrible, Well, it wasn't the best of circumstances, but how could he stay on top of all of this? Well, he had the mindset that cannot fail. And we looked at one of the reasons for that last week, and that takes us down to verse 12. It says, but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. This is the mindset that cannot fail. And this is one of the major keys to having victory and effectiveness in the Christian life. And so number one, what we need to do is we need to see life circumstances through the lens of the gospel. Now I know last week we talked about that, the lens or the grid of the gospel, seeing everything through that perspective. And when we do that, it's very hard to get discouraged because we're always understanding, look, I'm in this situation and there's somebody that needs to hear the gospel. Some way somebody needs to hear the gospel. And, you know, a lot of people right now are looking for answers. Okay. They're discouraged. They're fearful. They don't know where to turn. Well, where should they be going? They ought to be going to the word of God. And we've got the message of the gospel of the grace of God to share with them. And so we need to see life circumstances through the lens of the gospel. Paul saw everything that happened to him from that perspective, the trials of life that he was going through. He knew that they were all for the sake of the gospel. That's what verse 12 says. The things that happened unto me, they have fallen out to the furtherance of the gospel. Yes, I got thrown in jail, but I got thrown in jail. And guess what? I've got a captive audience here. And we've got other believers in jail and we're sharing the gospel and people are being saved in adverse circumstances. He was always looking, 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 not at the circumstances, but at the opportunities that the circumstances brought him. Verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He had this gospel-centered outlook on life, and because he saw the way he should see, it was having a positive effect on the believers around him. Now, I got a question for you, friend. I got a question for you. How are you dealing with life during this time? Not only how are you dealing with life, and, and I know this, is, this, is, this may sound like it's piling on a little bit, and I don't mean to, but do we understand that the way we are dealing with this situation is affecting the people around us as well? If we are in despair or we're living in fear continually or we're figuring any day they're going to come and break my door down and haul me off to jail because I'm a Christian Am I saying that's impossible? I'm not saying that's impossible. But at this point, I think it's highly unlikely. Why don't we think in terms like this? I wonder what God has for me today. I wonder what opportunities I'm going to have that I usually don't for the gospel or this. You know what? I don't have a lot on my agenda today because I'm staying at home and I've got my work done. Who can I email or who can I call and encourage in the Lord or maybe a lost friend at work and I can get a hold of them and just talk to them and say, hey, you know what? I was thinking about you and as a Christian, I was praying for you today and is there anything I can do for you? And you know what? That could open up an incredible conversation to where you could serve Christ. Isn't that a lot better than getting overwhelmed by the negativity of everything? This sure helped the Apostle Paul. He goes on here, Some indeed preach Christ, verse 15, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. You notice that? They knew that he was set for the defense of the gospel. What then? notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, regardless. Paul says, regardless of what people think of me and why they're doing what they're doing, if they're preaching the gospel, I'm rejoicing in that because the gospel is the power of God into salvation. People are going to get saved through it. It's not us. It's not cleverness. It's not talent. It's the message. That's where the power is. Notwithstanding... Every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Verse 19, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now here's an example. The word salvation is used here, but I don't think it's talking about going to heaven. He already had eternal life. That wasn't the issue. The word salvation means deliverance, deliverance. Salvation here refers to deliverance from, or his release from, prison. That's what it's talking about. He would be delivered through the prayers of the saints and also through the power of the Holy Spirit working in the situation. This is what he's getting at. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, okay? Now, these are things he had to decide, he had to determine these things. They didn't just come to him, okay? It wasn't like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna give Paul, it wasn't like the Lord said, I'm gonna give Paul a positive biblical mental attitude, right? And I'm not gonna give it to anybody else. No, God says he wants us to see as he does through that lens of the gospel. And if we do, it's going to change the way we think and what we think about. And more about that in just a minute. But notice this, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now this brings us to another aspect of the mindset that cannot fail. And it is simply this. Number two, we need to forget about ourselves and focus on Jesus Christ. I know that can be challenging, but nevertheless, it's true. People sometimes, you know, will say things like this and and they'll say, well, you're just idealistic. Well, just the whole concept of being idealistic, you know, if you break that down, what is the ideal? What is the best? What is the best way we can be? Well, if God's word says it, then he provides through his grace the ability to have that mindset. It isn't impossible. It's not just Christian talk. It is something that God provides. Is it always easy? No. Are there times that we struggle with ourselves, with our attitudes, with our actions? Yes. We're not focused right? Yes. Maybe we're grumpy or agitated towards those around us, our family, our friends, our husbands, wives. Yeah, that can be. But it doesn't mean the truth is still not the truth. What it means is that we need to go back to that and cling on to that and say, you know what? This is what I decide. I'm deciding this. And that is an important thing. So we need to forget about ourselves and focus on Jesus Christ and serving him. Now, I I want you to notice something in verse 21. This is so beautiful. You know, people say today, What does it mean to to live under grace? Or what does it mean to respond to the grace of God in in the Christian life? Here's what it means, friend. There are no amount of hours, there are no specifics, there are no lists to mention here. In other words, fulfilling a list, fulfilling a detail, a day planner every day and all that, that's not God's way. God's way is bigger than that. You notice Paul didn't say, for to me to live is getting my 10 things done today for Christ. No, he said, for to me to live is Christ. Jesus Christ was his life. This is truly living under the control of the Holy Spirit. There are no rules, so to speak. Now there are truths of scripture. Our guidelines are there. But I am talking about things that limit us. Here's the truth of it. The sky is the limit when it comes to living for Christ. And God wants us to be sensitive to his Holy Spirit. And you know, sometimes he'll just put a thought in your mind and he'll want to nudge you. Have you ever been there? He'll nudge you, he'll move you to call somebody or pray for somebody or go give somebody something. We've got people, uh, it's a blessing for me as a pastor of our church right now, just kind of watching what's going on within our our church family. And there are people who are completely on their own, moving to help other people, calling them, checking out, even giving them financial gifts and so forth, taking care of one another as as a church family. You, You know what that is? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. The sky is the limit. For to me to live as Christ. That's the way we should see it. Jesus Christ. What's your life about? Jesus Christ. What kind of rules do you have in your church? Jesus Christ, okay? Why do you keep saying that? Are you using his name in vain? No. We're using his name the way it should be used. Our lives are to be focused on Jesus Christ and magnifying him. The word magnify, it's a compound word. The first part of that means mega. It's the Greek word mega. To make him the attention. That's the idea. To magnify him. When I was a kid, and I won't tell you the, uh, the story, a lot of our church people know this one. I'll just keep it real simple. But one of the things I was fascinated with when I was a boy were magnifying glasses. You ever used a magnifying glass? Okay, I know some of you seniors, you probably use it to be able to, to read. Okay, well, what does it do? It makes the text big. Okay, a magnifying glass magnifies or makes whatever you're looking at big. That's the idea of magnifying it. Guess what? Our lives are to make Jesus big in the eyes of other people or to magnify him. So we need to be serving him and no amount of hours, specifics, or lists are mentioned here in the text, okay? Paul could live unashamed and with all boldness because he did not consider his old self as even being alive anymore. He didn't think about himself. He thought about Christ. He thought about the others that came to his attention. This is the way he lived life. He knew he had eternal life, but honestly, he basically forgot about himself. Now that doesn't mean you know we don't eat, we don't take care of ourselves or normal things. If we're sick, if you can go to the doctor, you should go to the doctor and and like that. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying though is this, friend, if the focus of your life is yourself, I guarantee you, you don't have the joy of the Lord. But if Christ is your life, and is that not what the text is saying? Isn't that the way it should be? Christ is our life? Or we just, I died. When I got saved, I died. That's the way God wants us to see it. And that's actually what the scriptures teach us. Uh, Hold your place here in Philippians. Turn over just a few pages to your right to Colossians chapter three. It says in Colossians three in verse one, if ye then be risen with Christ. Now, You can't be risen until you've died, okay? You have to die to be raised. This is referring to simply the fact that you've put your faith in Christ as your savior. The Bible says when you did, you were crucified with Christ. We'll look at that in just a minute. But you're resurrected, okay? You have a new life, a new life. It's not, let's add on to the old wicked Life that we had, no, it's when you get saved, God wants you to think, "I died, I'm done, I'm over with, I yet I have a new. this is the new me. This is the new life that I have. That's the way God wants us to see. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. for ye are dead, you died. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Look at the first part of verse four. When Christ, who is our life, do you see that? When Christ, who is our life, where should our minds be? They should be on Christ. We need to forget about ourselves and focus on Jesus Christ. Hold your place in uh, back, well, Philippians is where we're at. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Just a few cross-references here to touch on tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, and it says in verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus. This is, if we're going to run the race, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus. Where are we supposed to be looking? Looking unto coronavirus. No, really not going to help us much. Looking unto this, looking unto that, looking unto Government overstepping its boundaries. Now, I believe that's happening. I'm not depressed about it. God is ultimately in control. People know what's going on. And I trust that at least for the time being, when we're on the other side of this, it's gonna be dealt with and, and handled. Now, will it happen again? Well, it'll happen again sometime in the future. Doesn't that discourage you? Doesn't that worry you? No, I don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. See, friend, here's the issue. Project this all the way to the extreme. If I were to die, where do I go as a Christian? I go to heaven. You can't get better than that. Do I want to die? No, as we'll see in the text. We shouldn't want to die, so to speak. What we ought to do is we should want whatever God wants for us. If it's death, But if it's living here still, we've got ministry to do. We need to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Here's the point. If I am focused on Christ, then I am not focused on what I don't have, the inconveniences I'm dealing with, the tightness of my budget, and it may be very tight, Not being able to eat my favorite food because I can't afford it anymore, and maybe that's the case. Or, you know what, I'm really bummed out. Well, why are you so bummed out? You seem like you're really depressed. I am really depressed. Why? I can't go out to my favorite restaurant. It's closed. Friend, please. There's a lot more serious things in the world than that. Okay? Now, I'm not saying we don't necessarily have favorite restaurants, and I'm not saying that's not fun to do, and we miss that. That may all be true, but don't let that run your life. Keep your focus. We need to purge this infantile mentality out of us, and maybe that's one of the things God is doing at this time, is getting us more sober-minded as Christians, getting us more serious-minded about fulfilling the will of God. Well, I'm bummed out. Why? Well, I I have a double car garage. I wish I had a three car garage so I could get a boat to park in the other slot. And so I'm really depressed that I don't have that. Now, you know what? I kind of expect that from the people of the world. But to be honest with you, if a Christian thinks that way, that's pretty pathetic. It's pretty pathetic. People are all around us dying and going to hell. And we're depressed that we can't have a third garage door or that addition you see how this is? Look with me to Galatians chapter 2. Why was Paul so up? He was so up because his eyes were on Christ. He looked up, and therefore he was up because he kept his eyes on the Lord, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Galatians 2, verse 20, it says, I am crucified with Christ. If you're crucified with Christ, you died. You died. I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me crucified with Christ the crucified man has no desires you might say oh but wait he was alive yeah but he was alive where he was alive in Christ and Christ was in him and his life now was to live for Jesus Christ. See, Paul had a new identity. We need to see the new identity that God has for us. It's not the old us with an addition. It's a completely new perspective, completely new. One more verse, and I'll just quote it to you. Romans 6, 11, it says, "'Likewise reckon ye also yourself to be dead indeed unto sin.'" but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Reckon, consider, rely upon the idea that you are dead. You died. When? When you got saved, you died. And so God has a new life for us as believers. No, we don't have to live a godly life to be saved, but it's the will of God that if we are saved, that we would live a godly life doesn't keep you saved. It doesn't prove you're saved, but it is the will of God that we live a a godly life once we are saved. See, the new life is a gospel-centered, Christ-centered life. Paul kept on top of things. He had that mindset that cannot fail, and we have seen so far there's two big things that make that up. One is he was gospel-centered, and the other one he was Christ-centered with his life. And this kept him on track. Philippians 1.22. But if I live in the flesh, he's not talking about according to the flesh, sinfully, he's talking about in his body. If I continue on in my body and not go to heaven. If I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not, I know not, for I am in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He says, man, I... I feel like I'm being pulled two ways. I want to I want to go be with the Lord. I want to see him. I want to go to heaven. Yet at the same time I understand I have a ministry here to fulfill. Nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. See, when a believer is living his life for Christ and others, it is a win-win situation. If we live for the Lord here, we are going to bear fruit and we're also going to experience blessings because there's a law of sowing and reaping. If we die, we go to live with the Lord and we walk the streets of gold and see the wonders of heaven. And plus, we will also be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Doesn't get any better than that. If our focus is Christ and the gospel, if we're living for what God has called us to live for, All those wonderful things are there for us. And this is where Paul's mind was. For to me, to live is Christ. If I die, gain. Can't you see him saying to Paul, you shut up, you quit talking about Jesus or we'll cut your head off. Please? I don't know if he'd say that, but he knew where he was going. How do you defeat somebody like that? You don't defeat them. See, this is another part of the mindset that cannot fail. Gospel-centered, Christ-centered. Let's move on. Philippians chapter 1, verse 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all, so that I get a big name. No, nope, wasn't about him. For your furtherance and joy of faith. For your Christian growth so that you guys can learn the Word of God and your lives can be blessed as you apply the Word of God to your life. This, is, this was the ministry of the Apostle Paul. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation, that word means the manner of life, only let your conversation be as it becometh, as worthy of the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent. I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 21 and verse 27 go hand in hand. Jesus Christ is the person of the gospel. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jesus is the person of the gospel, but the gospel is the good news concerning Jesus Christ and what he did When he went to the cross, died for our sins and rose from the grave. And all who trust in him receive eternal life as a free gift, it's greatest news in all the world. He is the person and the gospel is the plan. Okay, let me say it again. Jesus is the person and the gospel is the plan. Therefore, to live our lives for those two things. But there's no separation between them. Some people say, well, uh, should you live your life for the gospel or should you live your life for Christ? Yes, yes, because Jesus is what makes the gospel the good news. See, when we live for the Lord, well, look at verse 28. It says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. In other words, when we live for the Lord with boldness and joyful commitment, to the Lord, it convicts people and it convicts the world around us. Now, how does that sit with them? Well, some people will get convicted and respond positively and they will want to know the gospel and they will want to know what is this all about. And yet the Bible's very clear, the vast majority of people, friends, are not friends to Jesus Christ and the gospel and the word of God. They mock it. They mock him. They make fun of the Bible. They make fun of Jesus. And they're going to make fun of you. But you know what? When we have the mentality of, you know what? I don't care. For me, it's all about Jesus and it's all about the gospel. That convicts them because they think these people are, well, sometimes they'll say these people are crazy. Or they'll say, you know what? I don't agree with them, but I sure do admire their zeal. And that does take place, by the way. Verse 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. It's part of the plan. Having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. See, when we trust Christ the Savior, one of the things which comes with that is that we are, if we are going to be faithful, we are going to be persecuted. If you're going to be faithful, there's going to be persecution. Paul told Timothy, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus talked about it himself. The message will bring much disagreement with society, but we must be faithful with it nonetheless because there are people who are going to believe. And that's the mission field for us to reach those who will. We know that only a small percentage of people will trust Jesus Christ alone as their savior. We know that. Jesus talked about it. We know it to be true. But it's our job to go and preach the gospel to the world. Sow the seed. Get it out there. That's our job, okay? Lovingly, kindly, but with absolute commitment. Share the gospel in an uncompromising way. That's our job. And there are people who are going to believe and there are people who are going to trust Christ. The others, you may get tremendously persecuted. You may suffer because of it. You might say, well, I don't know if I could take it. See, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could take it. Well, wait, if you consider yourself to be dead, what does it matter? For to me to live is what? Christ. Paul said, if I die, I go to be with the Lord. Until I die, I'm going to live for Christ and share the gospel. It's a mindset that cannot fail. Okay, one more verse. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Here's Paul in Philippi. And where does he find himself? Well, he's in jail again. I think he kind of used that like a Holiday Inn Express or something. He went, he went from, from jail to jail. Well, free room and board. I don't know if the food was very good. Okay, probably had to share a cell. Who do you think he shared cells with? Well, probably rats, okay. But there were people around, I'm sure too. But here he is, him and Silas sharing a cell together. And they're singing at midnight. They're singing hymns. They're singing songs to the Lord. Okay, here he is again. He's not saying, Woe is me. He's not singing the blues. He's singing the Christ. There is an earthquake. The jailer who was guarding him, he comes in. You know, he's afraid everybody left. And he comes falling and he, he says this. You see, evidently, evidently, they had been witnessing to him. They had been proclaiming the gospel because he knew. They had been talking about salvation because he says to them in Acts 16, 30, look at it, and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, isn't it wonderful? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Look at that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What do you need to do to go to heaven? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior and you'll be saved. Now, what does that mean? Well, you've seen me do it many times, but let me share it with you one more time here. If this hand were to represent you and me and this wallet represents our sin, we're all sinners. Sin separates us from God. You can't get to heaven with your sin. If we die with our sin, we'll be lost forever and we will suffer forever in hell. That's the truth of it. And the Bible tells us no amount of good works will take away the sin because sin is not taken away by good works. Death is the only payment for sin. It's the death sentence. That's the payment for sin. Good works won't do it. Scripture says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, what are we going to do? You can't save ourselves. Well, that's why Jesus came, came into the world, if this hand represents him. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross, got in the flesh, went to the cross, took my sin and yours upon himself, made the payment, made the payment, and rose from the grave. And if you will believe on him, you trust in him that he did that for you. He will give you the moment you do, everlasting life. You'll be with him forever. You are safe and secure in his hand. He'll never lose you, the Bible says. He'll never cast you out, the scriptures tell us. Sir, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Trust in Jesus Christ right now, and you'll be saved from hell to heaven that very moment. God will give you everlasting life. A friend, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, why don't you do that right now, right where you sit? God knows your thoughts. It's not a matter of saying a formal prayer or anything or promising. Listen, there are no promises involved except his. When you trust in him, he says, I promise I will save you and give you everlasting life. Take him at his word right now and trust in him. Would you do that?